like I need help. <laughs> uh, do y'all feel like you need help? You probably do. <laughs> you probably do, right? Yeah. All right, so um, I think everybody would probably agree with this statement that we're living in a time where the seasons are changing, right? And uh, one thing we were, I was talking to Bunny about earlier is uh, you know, President Obama won the elections based on a platform of change. I mean, that's what he promised. And honestly, he has fulfilled his promise. He has changed some things in our country. I mean, I'm, whether you agree with him or not, it's really not the, my point here. But I'm just saying that really it is in the heart of people to see change happen. And I believe it's in, in our hearts to see change happen uh, politically in our country. I believe it's in our heart to see things change socially uh, in our lives and also spiritually. Okay, right? Is that how y'all feeling? The winds are change are blowing. And really we, uh, what I want to talk to you about is us really connecting with the Lord in this season of change, okay? Because, you know, uh, 9-11, everybody remembers 9-11 because that was a marked date in the history of our nation. Our generation and the generations that are alive now, who are alive, we will not forget 9-11. It's just, it's just in our hearts. Uh, and that really did change our nation. Our nation has been changing since that moment. And uh, in our church... On 6-9-09, we had our own personal 9-11 that happened in our church. That was when Matt Stewart, we lost Matt Stewart. And that really, that day was, that's a day that, that I don't, personally I will never forget. And that's a day that, our, that has marked our church. And our church will never be the same, uh, you know, from that moment on. And, and um, I personally believe that it's that God is for, for the good. And here, here's what I, I mean. The Lord gave me, a, he gave me a word a while back I shared is, is uh, when life gives you uh, lemons, make lemonade. And uh, the week before the Lord gave, well, the week after the Lord gave me that word, I was talking to a friend of mine who went up into heaven and these angels offered my friend a glass of lemonade. Okay? And so that's really, we need to make lemonade. We've had some bitter things to happen to us, but it's, God is saying you need, to, you need to make lemonade out of your bitterness, bitter things that's happened to you in your life, personally in this church. And uh, then another word he gave me just a couple weeks ago is all that is gold, all that glitters is not gold. And so we're in a season now where you have to be careful that you don't look at things just on the surface, okay, and just from the natural perspective. Because what, there's, a, there's fool's gold. There's things that looks great and looks wonderful, but it's really not true gold, true spiritual gold. Uh, and somebody reminded me there's another part to that saying, uh, all, that goes, all that glitters not gold, but that all that is gold doesn't glitter. Like, you got that? All that is gold doesn't glitter. See, there's gold that God has for us that does not look like gold. It does not look wonderful, but it's true gold. And the Lord's really calling us to, to receive that in this time, if you will. Are you all with me? So um, really what I'm trying to do is i got this plan, okay, and it's bad when I have plans, okay, because I might change, but I'm telling you, this is something I believe the Lord wants to do in this church, is um, there's, there's something that we need to do as a church, okay, to help us come into what God has for us. And 
I think, so what, here's what my plan is. is you know, last week I gave you a message. I hope you were here. If you want, I really suggest you go to our website and get that message off of it where I talked about, uh, you know, I talked out of Matthew 16 where uh, a fresh revelation of the Lord. If we're going to come into every, anything that God has for us in this time, we need a fresh revelation from the Lord. And when you get a fresh revelation from the Lord, you get a fresh revelation of yourself, of who you are. And then God can begin to, when you get that, He will begin to release your greater purpose, greater destiny to you. Okay, you begin to understand. And then He gives you the authority, the keys, keys to the kingdom. That's the authority to really do what you see God revealing to you. So that's really what God wants to do. He wants to bring a fresh revelation of Himself and help you come into a greater understanding of who you are. And you can never know that apart, apart from the Lord. It's impossible to know that apart from Only He can tell you. So you can go back and listen to that message. But once you start coming into that, then you can come into what your purpose and calling is. And then from there, once you begin to understand that, then He gives you authority to exercise that and begin to do that in the earth. Amen? So, so that's, that's really where I feel like God told me to start at. And what I'm telling you is this has like happened in my life. Okay? I'm telling you, I'm going to try to tell you in three weeks what happened in my life, life in six years, of what God taught me in six years. So, you know, you're going to get a little uh, skim off the top, okay? But this, if, you'll, if you will follow me on this, if you'll go down this road, you can come into more, okay? Because God wants to do this for all of us. See, that's why I can, I can do this is because I've been there. I've done this. Uh, so, but what I want to, the, the point is, is your heart, God is very interested in messing with your heart right now. He's very interested in getting to your heart. And so I want to give you a, a couple of scriptures here, you know, about the heart. And, and then I'm going to give you some scriptures that really the Lord really used in my life to completely get, get me on this heart thing. Um, so is everybody with me? Yeah or no? Yeah. All right. Either make the tree good, Matthew 12, 33-37. Either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. See, ultimately, that's the way the Bible tells us how to judge something. The tree is known by its fruit. That's the only way you can ultimately, biblically, that's how you judge. Is what look at the fruit. Okay? Don't judge by the sight of your eyes or hearing of your ears, but judge of righteous judgment, which look at the fruit of what you're seeing. You brood of vipers, how can you be in evil speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. See, your heart... There's something in every one of your hearts this morning. Everybody in this room, you have something in your heart. Your heart's filled with something. Believe it or not, it's filled with something. Um, and that's important. The good, thing, the good man brings out of his good treasure, and that word treasure really is, is storehouse. See, God sees, literally, God sees our heart as a storehouse where all of our life is stored into that place. All of your life is stored in your heart. Now, you realize, I've shared this. I love this kind of information, but... Uh, they have proven this. Uh, doctors, medical science has proven when people die, they've proven this. People who have been clinically dead with their brain had no activity, their heart was not beating, they were stretched out dead, and the doctors were able to bring them back. These people have memories of what was happening. Okay? They have, a me- they have memories because here's, here's what it is. Your memory is not located up here in your brain. Okay, it, your brain is an organ that God has given us so we can function in this body that we're walking around in. So your brain really, your, your memories and your subconscious is all down in the realm of your soul, in the realm of your heart, and your heart's part of your soul. So your life is stored there. 
I heard Francis Franchbane talking recently, and he was talking about the past. And he says, when people say, you know, you just need to, you need to get over the past and let it go, he says, that's a stupid statement. Because where is the past as far as you and I are concerned individually? It's in our heart. Our past is, 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 is in here. Your whole life is, is in this storehouse called the heart. And there are things in your past that you need to get rid of. But you can't just forget it and walk away from it because guess what? As you walk, that past walks with you. Okay? So in a minute we'll talk about that, getting rid of some of that, that stuff. But are y'all hearing, hearing this? This is really good. Not that I'm doing a good job preaching. I'm just saying this is good stuff. And I'm going to tell you this. If you will go with this, your life can be changed. I'm, I'm convinced on this. I'm sold on it. All right, the good man brings out of his good storehouse what is good, and the evil man brings out of his, his uh, evil storehouse. So you see, the heart can be good or evil. That's why some people think the heart in the Bible is the spirit. It is not the spirit because your spirit cannot be evil because that's where Christ, your Christ and your spirit are together. Can, so, but your heart can. Your storehouse can be full of evil things. Okay? Uh, but I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they, will, will, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. That's, that's pretty like, ooh. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So you see, words have power because ultimately our words come out of our heart. They come out of that storehouse. So you know, that's a reflection. That's one of the fruits. That's a fruit. Your words... And the way you communicate, the way you speak, are actually fruits of what's in your heart. They're fruits of what's in your heart, according to the Scripture. That's sort of scary, isn't it? And I'm not talking about people who just use bad, you know, like foul language. I mean, to me, that's minor, honestly. You know, everybody knows four-letter words are not good to say. Okay, there's something behind that four-letter word. There's, you know, there's stuff we can say to each other that's not good. All right, let's read Matthew fifteen eighteen through 19. Don't you love the Lord? But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, okay? And those defile the man. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts. You see there? Your heart is where you think at. Your heart, the Bible in another place says the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. It's in here. It's not up here, not your brain. Again, your brain's an organ that used to, to facilitate these thoughts that are down here. Okay? So your, so your thoughts are another fruit of the storehouse or the things that are inside of you. Your thoughts, oh my, we're in trouble. Who, who has bad thoughts? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you my thoughts always because sometimes they are evil. All right, then, but not only your thoughts and words, but also your actions. Murderers. Adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and slanders. These are all actions that, we, that people do. That, and where does it come from? It comes from the heart. See, see uh, fornication or adultery doesn't come just from a person being lustful. It's not just a thing of the flesh. It's, something, it's deeper than that. It's their heart. It's what's in, down in their heart. It's what's in their storehouse. And, and because what's in their storehouse, ultimately it's going to come out so... Uh, the Bible talks about a, different, a lot of different things about the uh, It talks about you can have a sore heart. Okay? You can have a broken heart. You can have a cold heart. Okay? You can have a hard heart. You can have a heart that's on fire and passionate. And I'm going to tell you something. That condition of your heart, no matter what your condition of your heart is today, 
it will be reflected in your life. Your life, you will express that out. So if you are cold towards God, you're going to live a cold life. There's no way around it. Okay? Now there's some things that will, I'm going to show you in just a minute. But just remember this. You need to look in your heart, and only you and God can do this. And what's in there? What is the, what is the condition of your heart today towards God? That's, how, that's what's determining. You know, and if you say, well, I'm not really going after the Lord. I am not really don't feel any passion from the Lord. It's coming out of your heart. And that's where you've got to, 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 to deal with it at. All right, Matthew 6, 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And, and of course, the treasure is the people, the places, the things that you've placed the most value on in this life. That's where your heart is. It's on those things. And that really, you really can't look at your life. What do you place the most value on? What do you spend the most time on? What do you, you, you know, this is something that years ago, back when people used checkbooks, you know, they took detectives, okay, they took a, on a talk show, they took a detective, okay, a private detective, and they took a man's checkbook, that the, and the detective had never met that man, never seen that man, and that detective looked through that man's checkbook, studied his spending habits, not just over a month, but over, over, over about a year or so, and described that man, described that man to a T. He said, one thing about it, he said, this, is a very, this man's very vain, because he spends a lot of money, he goes to the gym, not being, you know, I go to the gym. He spends a lot of money on clothing. He spends a lot of money on hairdressers. And he went through and described this man, and then they brought the man out. And everything that detective said about that man was exactly right. Because where your treasures, you, you know, you're, what you're investing your money in, you, do you get that? It's a reflection of what your heart condition really is. It really tells you what you... What, what you really is. Don't feel bad about it. You know, I mean, I don't know how you spend your money. I, I, I was telling somebody lately, I like, there's some stuff I like to spend money on that might say, hey, man, why are you spending all that money on a golf club? Something like that. I mean, that can't be right. Anyways, um, this is another thing. Given freedom. Now, I want you to get this. Given freedom. And freedom's a key word. You will ultimately do what's in your heart. Given freedom. Okay? And, and I know this. I've experienced this. I've lived this out. I've watched guys that come and want, you know, in, in terms of, of discipling and raising up men, okay? And, and they'll say stuff like this I really have a calling to be a pastor. And you watch them over a time and you don't see a pastoral bone in their body. You're giving them freedom to express that, but they never really express it. They express something else completely different. And what you ultimately had to do was tell them, you're not, you don't have a calling to be a pastor. You have a calling to be a worshiper. Because for the last years of your life, I have watched you go around that turn over and over and pursue that. That's not a wrong thing. It's just helping people see. Okay? Helping them see what's really in there. And what's in there is going to come out if, if you have the freedom to do it. Now, you could say, well, I don't like, I'm not really, my job is not really what I really want to do, but. It's because you don't have the freedom not to have that job. It's, you're just doing it because you have to live. Okay, now here's the scripture. Right, Are, are y'all with me? Yeah. All right, here it is. Proverbs 27, 19. This is the one that really the Lord really spoke to me six years ago that really began to uh, help me. It says, as, water face, as, as in water, face reflects face. In other words, when you look down into the water, still water, 
It's like a mirror. You can see your face. That's what it's saying. So the heart of man reflects man. That sums up everything I just said. So the heart of man reflects man. Okay? Your heart reflects who you are. Now, here's what happened to me. This is what the Lord said. Byron, this is, your outside life has gotten so far away from who you really are on the inside that you are not being, you're not living in truth. Because outside is one thing. Inside is something else. And, here, and he didn't show me. And this is why. Because you are full of fear. You see, I wasn't free in my heart. I was bound in my heart by a spirit of fear, a fear of failure and a fear of people's faces. Therefore, I really would never let out what was really in me because I was scared I was going to fail or I was scared of what people were going to think about me. Are y'all following that? So my heart was bound, and I, therefore I was being something else on the outside than I was really on the inside because I was bound. I was bound on the inside. Okay? It was bound with insecurity and fear of man, basically. That was what was really happening inside of me. And, uh, and, and the Lord began to deal with me and began to help me. What He began to do supernaturally, God began, and, and in the end, Becky's going to really help us on this, but God began to show me things in my life that happened to me that made a place for the spirit of fear to come influence my life. It's things back all, all the way back to my childhood. God began to supernaturally. I mean, I wasn't pursuing it. I wasn't thinking about it. I didn't even know anything of, you know, Henry Hill and all that kind of stuff. It was not even on the radar screen in my life. But it was on the God's radar screen for my life. And God began to supernaturally reveal things to me that what had happened to me and the result was, you're not living true, Byron. Because, you know, you're bound up. And he began to, to liberate me in my heart. He began to take those things and, and take me through a process and heal me and re, begin to remove things out of my heart that really freed me in my heart. It freed me to be who God created me to be. And, all, he, he, you know, he, he removed them. He healed me. He, he began to restore the things, you know, because we have things that we missed in life that we didn't get, that we needed Okay? So if, if you missed something when you were five years old, as a five-year-old child, something that a parent or somebody was supposed to give you and you, you didn't receive it, you can't go back to your mama, you know, and get it from her. But God can give it to you. God can supernaturally put in you the things that you're lacking. Okay? But you have to let Him. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But one of the things that... that uh, We've seen, uh, and I'm just going to get off on this for a second, is, is in mar- doing marriage counseling uh, and premarital counseling, is uh, eight, I think 82% of couples who lose their heart connection divorce. In other words, 82% of couples who don't have a real heart connection in their life, they begin to live parallel lives. And 82% of them divorce, and I guess the other uh, 20, 18%, they just live in the house together and be miserable. They don't have a real marriage. They're just living separate lives. They're living in the same house, but they're living separate lives. Now listen, this is the thing. You can live with a person and be married to a person, and you have completely different interests, and both of you can be doing different things and, and have a heart connection. Becky and I have a heart connection. 
But she's not interested in what I'm interested in always. She does things different from me that I don't want to be involved in. I don't even want to be around, you know, and, and vice versa. But the, the heart connection is what keeps us together. We're connected together at the heart. We have this emotional connection with each other, a heart connection. And when you lose that in your marriage, you are lo- you're going to lose your marriage. One way or another, you don't have a real marriage if you don't have a heart connection. You're just living with somebody. It's, it's not real. It's a fake marriage. You're not living what's really true. And, 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 and a lot of people just won't live that way. They'll quit and, you know, go see an attorney. Okay? Um, that's one of the things that we try to tell the, the you know, people doing premarital counseling. Is that's, you've got to maintain that all through your life. I mean, it's easy at first because you feel it and it's there. But later, it may not be so easy. When you're 30-something years down the road... It may not be so easy. It, I, in fact, I think it gets harder as you go to keep that emotional, that heart connection. You have to pay attention. That's how you cultivate a good marriage is by you keep a heart connection with that person. It's not that you agree on everything, you do everything together, and you say everything the same. It's you and that person stay connected at the heart. And if you'll do that, you can have a great marriage because you can work all that other stuff out. Are you with me? Huh? Good. All right. So, anyways... Here's a, another scripture. John 3.3, 3, this is what the Lord spoke to me one day. I was reading, this is about Nicodemus. Now I'm shifting gears just slightly. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay? Cannot see the kingdom of God. All right, this is what, when I read that scripture, this is what the Lord said to me. He said, you can't see, can you, Byron? So he said to me, you can't see, can you? And I said, no, Lord, I really can't see. And he said, I'm going to teach you how to see. Now, what he was talking about, he wasn't talking about my natural eyes, because you can watch somebody get healed, or you can watch somebody get delivered. You can see all that, but you won't see. That's not see, really seeing the kingdom. That's seeing a fruit of the kingdom. But he's talking about seeing the invisible kingdom of heaven. Okay, he said to me, I'm going to teach you how to see. In one hour, in one hour, I got this phone call from this guy. He said, hey, we're going to Bob Jones' house next week. I said, We are? He said, I said, who's we? He said, me and you. I said, I'm going. And, and that began this thing where God began to teach me how to see invisible things. Okay? God began to teach me how to see what other people can't see. Okay? Begin to see from his perspective. All right? So now, let's just... But I don't want you to get... this. I'm not talking about a spiritual gift here. I'm not talking about the gift of prophecy. I'm not talking about any gift... I'm talking about being a Christian and living our lives the way God designed it and be able to do and see the things that God designed us to see. Everybody in this room, if you're a Christian, you have the ability to see the invisible, period. It's not for special people. In fact, if you are not seeing the invisible, you're going to find yourself in big trouble in your Christian life. I mean big trouble because it's like a car driving at night without headlights on. You can only go so far without headlights. And you may think you could do it around town, but you go out in the country somewhere on a night where it's just clouds and see how far you can go in a car without headlights. You're going to find yourself in a world of mess. And that's the way our spiritual eyes are. If we can't see it, at some point you can only live in other people's light so, so long. You've got to be because there's a day coming in your life where there's no light. The only light you're going to have is what you can see with yourself. And that day came for us. That day came for me. When there was no light from nowhere, I had to either see God 
in the situation or not seeing. And you're going to come into that situation. We all have, actually. But here, let me just read this. I'm, 2 Corinthians 4, 16. This was another one of those scriptures where God just, just you know, kind of ripped my little world down. Uh, Therefore, we do not lose heart. But though our outward man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Now, here's what Paul's saying. I'm going through, if you read the whole chapter, he's talking about the difficulties, the trials, the disappointments, the hurts, the pains that he was going through in his life. The beatings, the about being drowned, and just all the things that did not work out in Paul the Apostle's life like he thought they were, and what he had to go through. And he was saying, and this is how I don't lose heart with God. This is how I keep going as a believer. Okay? That's what he was telling. He was telling the secret. When I read it, oh, I've got the secret here of not losing heart. Because I had, there's so much in my life, I felt like many times I was just hanging on by a thread. I was ready to give up. How many people have felt it? Lord, I I'm done, Lord. I just, let me go somewhere and sit down. I'll just be some nominal Christian somewhere. You know, I'm not going to go after this no more. I'm, I'm quitting. I just want to be done. I'm just going to sit down and be quiet and just hide somewhere. Have you ever felt that way? And if you're a Christian and really going after the Lord, you will feel that way, believe me. And Paul the Apostle felt that way. Can you imagine how he felt after he's sitting out there a night and day in the water? Where's, you know, where's the God of Abraham? Where's the God of Elijah? I'm drowning out here. There's sharks out here. Where, are, where is he? I mean, I can just imagine that. We, we read it now, but we don't realize what it would be to spend a day and night in the deep hanging on for dear life. I don't think it was a blessed day. I don't think it was a glory day. You know, there's a, there's a harsh really. But then he says, for the momentary light of affliction, which he called light, you know, I'm thinking, he thinks that stuff's light. <laughs> Good Lord. It's producing for us an eternal way to glory far beyond all comparison. Now, here's the thing. This is where it really got me. Because here's, here's how he said he did it. While, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at, at the things that are, which are not seen. That was Paul's key. That was his way. That he lived his life and never gave up and never lost hope, never lost his heart. As he was able to see something nobody else saw. And it kept him going. It kept him going even when he, he even said at times, listen, they, they said, please don't go to Jerusalem, Paul. They're going to get you there. He said, I've got to go. I've got, I know chains and beatings waiting on wait, Awake me there, but I've got to go. Because he saw something nobody else around him saw. Even the prophets didn't see it for him. But he saw it. He saw, he saw into the spiritual world. And so it says, things, for the things which are seen are temporal. If all you and I are seeing is what we, with our natural eyes, we are not seeing what we need to see. We are not seeing what God meant for us to see. Because it's temporal. It's go, meaning it's not going to last. It's going to go away. All this that we see in this room right now. It's like Arthur Burt said to us when he came. I don't know if y'all remember him. He said this. It was profound, really. We didn't really know what he was saying. I think it was back in May when he came. He said, we're sitting here tonight, but it'll never be like this again. There's people that are not going to be here anymore. He was trying to tell us something. God was trying to tell us something. Life was going to change. And things changed not long after that. Okay? So we've got to be able to start seeing something besides what we see here. And that's really what God began to teach me. He began to teach me how to see the invisible. Because every one of us have eyes to see that. We have that, what the Bible calls the eyes of our heart. 
And I will admit, I think I have to admit this to y'all, when that first began with me, it was, it was a party. <laughs> That's when it was really a party, when I began to see the stuff I was seeing, smell the stuff I was seeing, hear the stuff. It was a party for me. It was a big party. Literally, it was like somebody had given me a credit card and said, go to the candy store. Like a kid in a candy store, you can have whatever you want. I ate so much candy, I about made myself sick on it. But I thought the Lord was happy with it. He was like, yeah, go for it. Go for it all you want to. You can have a good time seeing all this. You can, have a, you can enjoy this. But there's a day that came. I'm going to tell you this right now. A day came in my life. And it, it came, it was on 6-9. That day came in my life when it was no longer a party. And that day came when I needed to see something invisible. Because cause I knew I couldn't make it if I didn't. I knew that day was going to take me out. And I knew it. If I ever I knew anything in that moment in life, I've got to see something beyond what I'm seeing. I've got to hear something beyond what I'm hearing here. I've got to tap into that other world or I am not going to make it through this. It's just not going to happen. Because that was the first thing I said to the Lord. I said, Lord, I cannot do this. I can't do it and I don't want to do it. Let me out. I'm done. I don't want to be a pastor anymore. I just want out. Where's the exit door? Let me out. And the Lord said, yes, you can do it. You can do it. You can do this. I'll get you through it. You'll get it. I'll show you. And I'll tell you something. I saw the Lord. I felt the Lord. I felt the Lord touch me. I felt the Lord put his arms around me. I felt Jesus' scars on his body holding me. I felt that. And I felt it as real as if Becky came up and put her arms around me and held me in her arms. I felt the Lord doing that for me. I felt the Lord holding me when I couldn't hold myself. And it was because... Of that verse, I was able to experience the invisible world that was, that's out there, that's real, more real than this world. Not when it was in the candy shop having a good time, but when it was in life, when you were in that desperate moment. Are y'all following this? Okay? Um, yeah, let me just get one, Ephesians 1, 17 through 18. This is great, though, man. This is great. I'm telling you, this is, this is great. It says, uh, this is what Paul, Paul prayed a prayer that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I pray that the eyes of your heart, see, you and I have eyes in our heart. We have ears in our heart. We have feeling in our heart. We have smell in our heart. And Paul was saying, I pray that wisdom and revelation come, would come on and the light would turn on in your heart, just like a light turn on room where you can begin to see what you need to see in this life. You can begin to see the invisible world. You can begin to see what you need. It's not just fun and games. It's not just, not just a joke. The Lord told me, you know, when I was going through, you know, the, Him dealing with me about my, you know, stuff in my heart that was hindering me and binding me, He, 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 he said, I... Uh, uh, Revelations, he said, it's in, it's in Revelation. It's, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He said, that door is your heart. That door is your heart. I'm standing at the door of your heart, and I want in your heart. There's stuff in your heart that's hindering you. There's stuff in your heart that's binding you. And if you will open that door, light will come into your life. Light will come onto those eyes, and you can begin to see. It's simple. 
the, what you have is there for you. God gave it to you when you were born again. He equipped you with it. But He wants to come into the heart of our life. When, people think when they get saved, that Jesus came into my heart. That's how they, people say they pray it. That's really not right. Because when you get saved, Jesus does not come into your heart. He comes into your spirit. He comes into your heart by invitation. He comes into your soul by you inviting Him, by you allowing Him to come in there. And for Him to come in there, there's things there that, are, that, that, that shouldn't be there. I was sharing earlier, is, and I've, I've seen this from different sources, is when people die and go to heaven, one of the things they do, and this, I've heard this from three or four different people who visited heaven, one of the things they do is they take them to the river, okay, the river of life that's in heaven, and they dip them in river. And one guy, this is the way he said it, he, said they, he says, they dip the person into the river because when you get there, your soul goes there and your soul takes all the memories that it has with it. And a lot of those memories are painful memories, hurtful memories. And they take you and dip you into that river and it takes the pain off. It doesn't take the memories away, but it takes all the sorrow away. It takes all the pain away from your life. That's what they do. So when you get there, it's one of the first things they do when they... Those, that's what the guy said. He watched people when he was there. He watched them come into heaven. He watched the angels. They greeted him and they took him right to the river. Then he said later, you know, he was up there and there was just people who live in heaven, you know, like we all will one day. And they were just going over the river and, and just getting in the river and just enjoying the river and, and picnicking beside the river and just having a good old playing beside the river, playing in the river. So the river's a good place, yeah. you know. And thank God He's given us the river now. And we can go ahead and begin to get into the river and allow the river to begin to heal us. So, uh, you know, one of the things that happened supernaturally for me was, uh, I was sharing earlier, is, will you, you want to come in and help me with this? Because, see, God, here's what God wants to do. Okay? God is interested in fixing your heart. Okay? And He wants... He wants to help you. This is all about God helping you. And every time you talk about this, there's a wall that gets thrown up. You can feel it in the room. Because there's people in here who's got issues. <laughs> there's a few people I said, man, I, you know, when Kathy Oates was here and she talked about inner healing a couple of weeks ago, I thought, I got three or four people. I think I'm going to tell them to go get that CD and listen to it. And I thought, oh, they'll just be so offended at me if I tell them that. Because when they start listening, she's going to talk about you know, stuff in their heart. Nobody really wants to talk about it. But God's talking about it right now. Okay? He's talking about the walls in your heart. He's talking about the pain in your heart. He's talking about the sorrow in your heart that He wants to get a hold of. Because let me tell you something. You and I are never going to get where we need to go unless we allow Him that. We are not going to get where we're going to go. And, 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 and I'm not saying I'm there. I'm, because here's the truth. You can get completely healed in your heart. You can get completely delivered of every stronghold that the enemy's put in there. But guess what? Somebody's going to go. Somebody's going to stomp your hide out there. Somebody's going to roughhouse you. Somebody's going to put you down. You, somebody's going to wound you again. I mean, this is, you know what I'm saying? But there are some things because God wants to free you to be you. Do you hear that? God wants to free you to be, and you can never take what you are. And bring it out here. 
Okay? And that's what we need. That's what the world needs. That's what the church needs. They need the real you that's in here, that's locked away in many people's lives. I was one of them, locked away, tied up, and I was living this other life out here because I was so afraid. God wants to take and unbind you and loose you and heal you so that real you can begin to be expressed out here. And that's where you do get the, the purpose and the calling from the Lord and the authority to do it. You notice how some people are real gifted, but they can't get nowhere because they, they got these issues. And um, so you, what do you want to yeah. say? I wanted to, you know, the Lord has, it's really interesting because the Lord began dealing with Byron and I separately on this same issue about the heart. And then it was when um, Kathy and um, Gary. Gary Oates came, they talked about this stuff. So we really knew the Lord was speaking to us as a body, speaking to us personally and the body. And, um, and what actually happened to me the week before they came is God actually revealed to me some walls that were in my heart. And I feel like this is a very big thing right now if we can hear what the Lord has to say to us, is walls go up in our heart in life when we're wounded, and they're there for protection. Because what happens is, as you're being harmed, the wall goes up and it's a protection. But that very wall that protected you really can end up begin being a hindrance to you in your relationship with the Lord and your eyes being opened. See, those walls are hindrances to the Spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Lord wants to bring the walls down. And they're also a hindrance to our relationships. They're, they're a hindrance to our, our marriages, to our friendships, to fellowship. And so that's what I want to encourage us about. I believe that's really why Paul was praying that the eyes of your heart would be opened. See, when those firewalls go up, nothing can get through in there. You see that. And I believe we have multiple walls we live with. And that's why the Lord knocks on the door. He knocks on the door. He don't knock them down for you. Yeah. Now, He will. Because what happened to me was, this is the way it started me. One day I was driving down the road, and I I had a vision. And I saw a wall, and I saw a person hiding behind it. I said, what's that, Lord? He said, that person's you. And that wall is what you build around your life to protect yourself. He said, I want to take the wall down. And I had to make a decision. To allow him to do that. I knew he wasn't going to take it down automatically. I had to allow it. And, then, and I also knew this inherently. I knew it was going to be painful. Yeah. I didn't think that wall was going to come down like some glorious moment. I knew there was pain associated with that wall. And there was a lot of weeping that went on during that time in my life. Actually, what happened to me was a wall that I didn't even know existed. It was, from, it was 32 years old in our marriage. From the beginning of our marriage. We had a really rocky beginning and she was rough in the first man <laughs> a rough girl man we won't we won't go there <laughs> but well here's the truth you know the lord he wants you to live free and those walls are not freedom they're binding they're binding our hearts up and the lord wanted that wall to come down and i'm you know and it is painful like we can, like, I'll just tell you this. Fire and I standing right here, us talking about this stuff. We feel y'all doing this. We can feel it. And we understand that. It's because it's just really hard to let the guard down, you know, and say, 
You know what I mean? Okay, Lord. It's, it, it's like it's a re- very real thing. But I believe this is something the Lord wants us to do in this church because he's got places for us to go. See, that's the point. God he wants does. to take us somewhere, but you cannot go. You will not bear to go. You won't be able to get there. Because you won't see it. You won't be able to see what God's doing. You won't be able doing. to see. This keeps us from seeing. Oh, you might go in and out. It'll just be messed up. Trust me. And, and it's pain. The reason it's pain is this, okay? In the natural, if you cut, have a big gash on your hand, and the doctor goes to sew it up, and the moment he tells you, you're going to jerk it away. You don't want nobody touching it. Okay? That's what happens to people. I was talking to somebody after the first service, and he was telling me what's going on in his life. He's going through this process. He said, you know, he was complaining, really. I was thinking, man, you shouldn't be complaining. This is God. Because he said, I just, sometimes I just start weeping. I just feel all this pain. I said, here's what's happening. Right there at that moment, what you do is say, come Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's touching something, and you let Him. You know, and that was revelation to Him. Like, really? Yeah, that's the Holy Spirit putting His hand on that hurt spot. Now, one thing we don't suggest that you do, okay? Do not suggest that you go down there and start digging around in your heart. Don't do that. You don't have the right to do that, really. When Kathy Oates did that thing, she did this thing where she asked people to, you know, be still and sit. The Lord is showing something, blah, blah, blah. And, and it was good. A lot of people did. But you know what happened to me that night? I asked the Lord and waited and waited. Nothing. And I was happy as a pig in trash, you know, because I ain't got nothing right now. Everybody else is. You know, Andy was sitting beside me all twirling up, you know, crying and carrying on. I'm thinking, I'm happy. I'm not, God ain't touching nothing in my heart right now. You see what I'm saying? We have to let him, but you let him by invitation. You know, search me, Lord. See, Lord, if there's something in here, if I have a wall in me that I don't know about, if there's some other thing that's binding me, because I need you to heal me. I need you to deliver me. I need you to set me free. And God can do I'm, Here's the amazing thing. Now, I really believe in the church providing inner healing and, and deliverance ministry. But I'll tell you this. The Holy Spirit is really good at that. I mean, He is real good. If you will let Him. I mean, He had to keep my in all over the place, honestly, to do it. I mean, I got pretty stomped there for a while. But He delivered me from so much. And, and the restoration thing, He really does restore to you. He gives you what you need. He gives you what you, you're missing. Like, but if you have a wall there, he, he just won't do it. It just doesn't work that way. People say, I want to say this to you. I've said it before. People think when you get saved, everything's right. But the Bible does not teach that anywhere. It is not in the Bible. And one of the classic scriptures they use is, all things are made new. It says, all things are becoming new. It doesn't happen in us. We have to allow the Lord access. And when we allow Him access, He begins, and then He begins to equip us. Once, the, you know, once He begins, brings us through the healing and, deliver, and, and that kind of thing, He begins to equip us and, and enables us to begin to really connect and live spiritually the way we're supposed to live. And, and I'm telling you, we need to be able to see the invisible. That is key. That is what will take you through murder, man. It will take you when you can't take yourself. Because you're able to see God. You're able to see Christ. You're able to see what He's doing and how He's acting. And that's all you have at that moment. You just say, okay. And in my case, it literally, literally, I can tell you this over and over. I felt God holding on to me as much as Becky feels me holding on to her. 
I felt him holding me because I said, I can't hold on to you right now, Lord. I can't do it. There's nothing in me. And it was like, okay, I will hold you. I will hold you. I will hold you through this. I knew he was holding me. I felt it. Reason? It's because I allowed God access to my heart. And I, it wasn't just some special little thing. I had allowed him access to my heart, access to my life, healing, deliverance, getting me right so I could see, so I could know what he was doing. And then when I, when I really desperately needed, not when I was in a meeting somewhere and just needed to see what God was doing in a, in a church meeting. I'm out here in the middle of misery life, of life at its worst, you know. And you know what the cool thing was? When I went down to uh, Paraguay in July, <laughs> this ministry time, it was great. And I told them, yeah, I can hug you. I can hug you the way the Lord hugged me. And this is crazy. People, for weeks, for months after that, sent me emails telling me how profoundly God touched them with Byron Wicker hugging them. <laughs> because it wasn't me. It was that same person yeah. that hugged me and held me. And I was able to hug other people. And really, God really wants to fix our hearts so we can say, this is who God created me. This is who I am. I can live this. I can be this. And it will bring life to people around you. And no matter what it is, we were with some, I, I'm, yeah, I'm rambling, but we were with some people last night. I want to tell you about these people. These people are what I call foot soldiers in God's army. They are not prominent people. Nobody would really know them. They walked in the church. You would never know them. These people have walked out the Christian life for, for ever since I've known them, for over 30-something years and, and have lived the gospel wherever they have been. They have found a way to, to share the love of God with people. And even now, they're like old, sort of semi-retired. They have found children in the neighborhood from other countries that they're ministering the love of God to children in the neighborhood from other nations. they got kids from all over the place in neighborhoods like the nations. Are in the, he was saying, you don't need to go to the nations anymore. They're coming here. They're right here. They're ministering to some, some uh, people from Pal uh, Palestinians, children, right there in their neighborhood. And when we prayed, we wanted to pray for them. They asked for prayer, and I felt little compared to them. And here's why I felt little. In God's estimation, them people are much greater than I am. They may be what we would call little people, not doing big things in life, but in heaven's estimation, they are huge people. I believe when we get to heaven, they're going to be a lot closer to the Lord than I'm going to be. You know what I'm saying? Because they have lived a lifetime of being who they are. They've lived out of their hearts, and Christ was able to live his life out in simple little ways, like mentioning this little seven-year-old boy and pouring the love of God into the seven-year-old little boy. And God is like up there in heaven cheering them and looking at me like, this is a good example for you, Byron. You know, this is it. These people, are, these, are, these people are doing what you're thinking about doing. They are living it. They've allowed me to have access to their life, and I'm living my life through them. And every one of us can do that. It's profound, really. I love that feeling. I mean, I didn't feel bad when I felt little. I felt honored to be able to pray for them. I felt little. It was a good feeling. It was a God feeling because I was feeling what Jesus was feeling. He was saying, these are people I hold up. And it was because they've just been true to who they are. But you and I will never be true to who we are if God can't get to your hearts. It just ain't going to work. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work that way. I'm sorry. 
I wish it was a shortcut. Yeah, let's pray for you. I want to stand up. I'm going to pray for you. I had a little vision a few weeks ago before this all started, and I saw me walking out on the sea, like walking on the water. And it was like, I felt like the Lord gave me this. I was walking, I was going out on a journey, and it's a discovery of my own heart. Yeah. And so if you want to go on that journey of this discovery of your own heart, just tell the Lord that. And it's a wonderful journey. It really is. Um, so I wanted to pray for that. And yeah. we wanted to pray for marriages too. So. Yeah. So, Lord, we just come right now to you, Father, yeah, and I just you, lift Jesus. up. Lord, I know the people sitting in this room here are not here by accident. And so we just, Lord, come before your throne of grace. Mm-hmm. Lord, and we do lift up these hearts to you, Lord. We lift up these cold hearts. We lift up these calloused hearts, yeah. God. Thank these you. wounded hearts, these disappointed hearts, these blind hearts, God. Uh, these passionate hearts, mm. these hearts uh, that are full of destiny, Lord. Lord, all that life that is in heart, these hearts and these rooms, God, we lift up before your throne of grace right now. And Lord, we ask you to pour out grace Grace. upon us, Lord God, that we may be willing to open up our hearts into these places, Lord, and these places that are behind locked doors, that are behind high walls that we don't feel like we can get over, God. And we just right now, all that we can do is say we surrender our hearts to you, God. We want to go on this journey with you, God, of the sea of discovery, of discovering our own hearts. It doesn't matter how old we are, young or old, God. There is still, uh, Lord, there is no time in you, Lord. Time doesn't exist. So, Lord, right now we just ask you to free our hearts, Lord, Mm. that that spirit of wisdom Mm. and revelation would begin to flow into our hearts. Lord God, those eyes of our hearts would be opened, God, that we would be able to begin to see, Lord, into the spirit realm. We begin to see the destiny, the call upon our lives, oh God. Yeah. That we wouldn't live our whole lives and miss it, God, because we were unwilling to bend, Lord God. We were unwilling to let you have a hold of our hearts, oh God. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, just touch hearts right now. And just, you know, if you... Just If you want to go on that journey with the Lord, just say, Lord, I want to go on this journey. I invite you, Lord, just yes. to begin to reveal to mm. me my own heart, mm. to look into that water. Yes, um, one of the things the Lord's been speaking to Becky and I about uh, is, you know, uh, He leaves me beside still waters. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and where the Lord's been saying, he, this is time, you need to be quiet some. And be before me, and be still before me, some, and just let me speak to you, let me release into you. And that scripture, you, you know, that's how you, if you can look, that scripture in Proverbs I read about, you're looking into the water, it's only still water you can see yeah. your reflection. You can't see reflection in a real rushing water. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> but I wanted to encourage you to just take, and I wanted to say this, and I want to be careful about I said because I'm not disqualifying what Gary said, because I believe what he said was 100%, but... 
you know, he talked about spending two or three hours or four hours being still and soaking in the presence of the Lord, which I think is awesome, and I do that, okay? But not everybody in this room can do that. Mothers in this room that have babies can't do that. Guys who get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and jump in a truck or jump in a car and run to an office or run to a construction site and don't get home to 6.30, you're not, God doesn't expect you to do that. I want to take that off on you. But I do want to say this. You can take five minutes and be still before the Lord. Whatever it, whatever it is in your life, you find what Gary was saying, this is, was my experience of how I did it. That's what he's responsible for giving. But you can find that place that works for you, where you allow yourself to sit down and be beside those still waters and allow the Spirit, sorry, <laughs> allow the Spirit of God to begin to show you things and begin to speak to your heart and begin to reveal Him. So I, want you to, I, want to, I want you to do that. I want you to take that. But you don't have to take hours. If you have hours to take, that'd be great. And you do it, that's awesome. But if you don't, if you've got ten minutes, take ten minutes. Okay, and, and get beside those still waters because that's the way it, the, the river is right now. It's being still because it wants us to look into it because it wants to show us something. And if we look into it, it'll show us something. It'll show us things about our identity and about ourselves. It'll show us things that need to go in our life. And, well, Lord, I want to pray for the walls to mm-hmm. come down, Lord. We just really ask you right now. Yeah, put your hand over your heart right now because mm-hmm. you probably all have them. Mm-hmm. So, Lord, we just ask you yeah, Lord. that, Lord, there would just be a season of grace yeah. upon us, that the walls of our hearts, Lord, would come down. Yeah. Lord, because we really desire you yeah. in every place in our heart, Lord. Yes, Lord. And, Lord, that this, even though there's pain in it, Lord, but there's joy. Yeah. There's such joy, you, Lord, that gets released, mm-hmm. Lord, as you begin to flood into those places, Lord. Mm-hmm. And, Lord, I also pray right now, just if your husband or wife's in the room, that we could just pray for you, too, um, that the Lord would begin to give you a fresh heart connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lord, we just ask you for that right now. Hold your wife. In the room, just, yeah, hold your wife's hand if you can. If she's not here, hold her, yeah, hold, hold her, hold hold her hand heart. in the spirit. Lord, a fresh heart connection. Yeah. Really we really that, ask Lord. you for that, to reconnect hearts mm-hmm. and marriages, Lord. Lord, just any mm. damage that's been done, Lord, yeah. in Heal. marriages, Heal marriages, walls Lord. that have gone up in marriages, yeah. that they would come down. We just pray that over every married couple here, Lord God, mm-hmm. uh, and all those in our body, Lord, that there would just be a, re, uh, con- a reconnection, Lord, mm-hmm. a reconnect mm-hmm. in hearts. Mm-hmm. Heal in marriages. Jesus name. Heal Thank them, you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And Father, I just pray for every person in this room, Lord, today, Lord, that as we sung earlier, that your face would shine on us, Lord. Your favor would come on us, Lord. Your blessing would come on us, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Heal us, Lord. Make us whole. Let us be who we are. Let us see Jesus Christ in a fresh way so we may come into a fresh new identity, fresh authority, fresh purpose, fresh calling. Our lives will be changed, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you need healing, like, you know, we want to pray for the sick this morning uh, or people who have financial needs or special needs or if you want prayer about this, we have a ministry team. We have people to pray for you. Otherwise, we want to just dismiss you and, and God bless you.